Welcome, everyone. Another Wednesday night, Shigurabotai. Tonight, I'd like to um, um, first start with a question that I had learning stories uh, from Gemara. Maybe somebody here could help me out. That is, we know there's a lady. Right? We know there's a lady. Right? A very, very hashuv lady, very important lady. Her name is? Chana. Chana. And Chana, in the beginning of her life, she could not have children. So what she do? She started praying and praying and praying and praying. She prayed very, very hard, praying and praying and praying. Finally, Hashem granted her a child. Hashem granted her a child. And this child was who was his name? Anybody know? Shemuel. Shemuel. Later on, you see that Shemuel came to the Beit HaMikdash. Shemuel came to the Beit HaMikdash. And there was, and he was young. And there was a halakha. But what happened? They had a korban. They had an animal. And they needed to do shechitah on it. So, Elie Kohen. Says, uh, listen, somebody go out and get a what? Get a Kohen to do Shechita. Get a Kohen to do Shechita. So they're looking, they can't find someone else that's on the stand. Salachah should be, which is, says, you don't need a Kohen to do Shechita. A regular person can do Shechita on the animal. After that, the regular person can slaughter the animal. After that, you, you know, the Kohen will take over. That's all I got. That what? The, 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 any, a Zad, a regular person outside, could do Shekita on the animal. He could slaughter the animal. And from that late, late, late second point, the Kohen takes over. Oh, they looked into it. And he was right. Shwell was right. But there's another Allah that says, anybody who gives a sack Allah in front of his rabbi, Hayamita. So guess what? Shwell, they said, they... <laughs> Now they want to go and kill the kill Shmuel. Right? So it's like this going to kill kill Shmuel. All of a sudden, Sarah says, Wait, 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 wait. Please forgive my son. She doesn't leave. Please forgive my son. What does Sarah say? Please. At least says, Don't worry about it. Even if. Even if he passes on, I will personally pray to Hashem to get you another child even greater than Shmuel is going to be. Because you have to know when Hannah prayed, she didn't just pray for a child. She prayed, it says, Zera Anashim. She wanted to get a child, uh, a boy, a child, for that matter, with the, the highest caliber. The highest, like a tzaddik, a very, very big holy man, tzaddik. And now Eli's saying, don't worry about it. I'll pray for you to get even a bigger tzaddik than Shmuel. And I said, no, 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 no. Tell Hannah, I pray for him. I have a question. Hannah, when she was praying, she wants a baby, L'Shem Shalai, or not L'Shem Shalai? Yes, L'Shem Shalai, or not L'Shem Shalai? She wants it for Hashem's sake or for her own sake to, 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 to hold the baby. What do you think? What do you think? For her sake or for Hashem's sake? Only for Hashem's sake. 
And that's why she says, if you're giving me a child, I want to make sure that this child is going to be a very, 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 very uh, holy child. And she prayed for that. And she was a very, very holy lady. So I understand. Ellie is guaranteeing you. I, I'm guaranteeing you I'm going to pray to God to get you uh, even, uh, even holier child. A better child. A more kind of child. I don't Can anybody explain to me why is Hannah rejecting and saying, no, I want the child that I pray for personally. But I'm getting you a better child. You ever hear the question? You hear the question? Huh? Did we have an answer for this? You're getting a better child. You're getting more kind of child. I'll give you the answer. You ready? I'll give you the answer with this myself. I saw Aaron Schwartz, your friend, this week, right? And he comes up and he says, Rabbi, I want to tell you something, a story. So what's the story? He says, one time there was a fellow. Now listen up. There was one time a fellow. And this guy, uh, you know, he was walking and talking and this, that. The king called over three people. And he told these three people, listen to me very carefully. You are going to bring me, the king is telling you, the advisor, the advisor of the king, you're going to bring me, each one of you, a diamond. And the person who's going to get me the best diamond will receive a million dollars. Will receive a million dollars. So, but you guys have one week. One week came, and what happened? They all get together, all three men. First guy, Opens up a big box. What a diamond. Shiny. Is that? Wow. Everybody's looking around. Wow. He's going to definitely win. Second guy. They opened up. Diamond. Whoa, this is like a like a ruby red diamond. Amazing. Sick. Wow. Third guy. He comes. You have a small diamond. Not so shiny. The shape doesn't look too good. And he said, Here, this, is my, this is for you, my dear king. The king said, this guy, thrown in prison. And next week, we're going to hang him. That's how he disgraces the king. But here's me, a small a diamond that's not even shaped the best way. In a prison. Next day. Next week. We passes by. And they, uh, they're coming to execute the guy. And they said, you got, you disgraced the king by getting him a small, irregular shaped diamond. That's it. We got to execute you. He says, but please, before you execute, they usually grant one wish now before you, before they execute. Let me, let me, let me get one wish. My wish is to explain myself why I got this specific diamond. Oh, is that okay? If that's the case. <laughs> That's it. So the king comes out, and they have like a whole, uh, all the judges, and we're ready to judge the case. What does he say? He says, "My, what do you have to say by giving me a regular time? He says, my dear king, let me explain. My name is so-and-so. And all my life, I've been practicing to dive. I dive. I go in the ocean. I go on a boat. They take me to the deepest section of the waters, and I'm the only one in the world, basically, that can dive as fast 
and and I could do all these things with my diving, and nobody has this skill that I have. I perfected this for many, 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 many years. When they told me that I have one week to get a diamond for the king, I used all my energy and I used all my power. And I went for one week straight with boats to different seas, different oceans. And I went to the depth of every ocean. Before I went in, I kept on thinking to myself, please, I want to get the king the best diamond. And I used my full energy in order to get this diamond. And I had many, many more. But this is the one that I thought this was the nicest one, which was the nicest one that I found. The king says, wow, you deserve the million dollars. We're not only going to, ex- we're not going to, not only we're going to take away your punishment, but we're going to reward you. What does that have to do? That if Shal is, that in life, everybody has a, 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 a kohot. They have their own power. And in life, right, it says that everybody can be like Moshe Rabbeinu. Well, Rambam said, everybody can be like Moshe Rabbeinu. What do you mean? How can everybody be like Moshe Rabbeinu? Doesn't the Torah say specifically, Lord Kam, uh, Moshe, nobody came like Moshe ever? How can you say, how can the Rambam say, no, by the way, everybody has to be like Moshe Rabbeinu? You know what the answer is? The answer is, if you use your full potential, so therefore you get on that level. Moshe Rabbeinu uses his full potential, and you use your potential? You're never going to get like Moshe Rabbeinu, he was the leader, you could, but it means that when you use your full strength to serve Hashem, and Moshe used his full strength to serve Hashem, the reward is great. And that's why in life, a person in his lifetime, he does things that beyond as much as he can do. And even though you might say, oh, what I do, this guy is doing so much more, doesn't matter. You know why? Because in the eyes of God, he knows your capabilities, and he knows you went your full force for him. So your reward is going to be tremendous just for that. And that's why, that's why, Hana, she understood. She understood, yes, Eli will pray and I'll get a higher, uh, a holier son. But I was more selfish. I put my gut in my prayer. I prayed so much, it was my own prayer. If I give an example, a person had children to cookies. You make your own chocolate chip cookies, right? Now what happened? Your friend comes, oh, I just went to the bakery. You got to taste these chocolate chip cookies. What do you mean? I just made these chocolate chip cookies with my own hands, homemade, fresh. says, no, you understand, this is the best chocolate chip cookies ever you're going to taste. So which one would you rather have? You can only have one cookie on a diet. One cookie. Which one are you going to have? You're going to have your, your one that you homemade or, or this one from the bakery? Which one? But I'm, t- I'm telling you now, bakery is so much better. You think homemade? You know what the answer is? Because you made it. You feel good, you, you feel proud, you made it, right? You went out of your way, you did this. So therefore, the same thing, Chana went out of her way, that's why. And guess what? Because she put her full gut in it, more miracles will happen through Shmuel than even at least greater holier persons. How do I know that? There's a Gemara in Mesechet Berachot in the third period. It says, how come the earlier generations had more crazier miracles than the, than the later generation? There was a story of Yudah. The Yudah one time wasn't raining. So all of a sudden, Yudah says, okay. He prayed. He took off his shoe. One of his shoes, once he took off his shoe, Hashem made it. Boom, it started pouring. Nowadays, he said, the later generations, they started praying and praying and praying. No rain. No rain. What happened? 
the earlier generations has more miracles than the later generations. Why? They look into it. The Gemara says, oh, I, I know why. If it's because what? The earlier generations had more Torah. The Gemara says over there in the third panic, the later generation knew more than earlier. Of course, you have to know which generation it was, right? Certain generation there was, that the later generation knew more, had more things. So it can't be. So why was the early generations merited to have more miracles than the later generation? You know what? Just because the Gemara says, because they did Kiddush Hashem. What Kiddush Hashem? They almost said Nefesh. They put their all into the service of Hashem. They gave it all they got. And when a person gives all his energy towards serving Hashem, you deserve in that sense to be more miraculous than anybody else. Then regular earth, ah, this person is only right. But look at the other person. He's going his full gut. He's pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And that's why Chana said, I gave my life for prayers for this person. Shmuel. He will be, he will be great. How about that? Stop this. And now, one word, word you ready? President? One word on the parasha. Today I'd like to discuss a story at the end of this week's parasha. What is it? Parasha Timur. Does anybody know, in the last Aliyah we speak about a story of a man who cursed Bore Olam. You know the story or no? He cursed Hashem. Now what was the story? Let me explain it. Let me be very, very clear. There was a lady. Her name was, it says, Hashem Ba'ikhalev, if you were talking about his mother's name was, Shemit Bat Divri Lamater Dan. Shalomit Batibri had a child, and this child, cursed Hashem. How? What happened? Let me explain. One day, one day, he was walking. This this boy, the daughter of Shalomit, was walking, and he went to a he was a little bit, if you realize in the in the parasha also, a little bit wise. There, there's something called lechem panim. You know what lechem panim is? The lechem panim. Anybody know what that is? They have in the beta from Friday. They put it in till after Shabbat. The bread stays fresh in the beta mikdash. Now I want you to tell you. You take a piece of bread now, you leave it outside for, for 10 minutes, you'll see how hard it'll get. All right? Over here, the Beit HaMikdash, and Miracle Abin Hashem wanted that miracle to happen to show people how much He loved them. Hashem loved you so much, loves us so much that He said, look at the miracle I'm giving you. The bread stays fresh. Even for nine days, from Friday to after Shabbat, it's still staying fresh. And that's what happened when you used to go to the Beit HaMikdash. That's what wanted to call they would bring out the bread and they would show you, look how much Hashem loves you. And hot off the oven, even though it was here for a whole week. This person, Shlomipatibli's son, being wise, says, ah, is this? What kind of business is this? You're putting bread? Put fresh bread. Why are you, why are you waiting for an entire week? Every day you should make bread. Not only once a week, 
he knew I was wrong because at the end of that, Hashem wanted to show the miracle that he was doing for the people to show how much he loved them. So he was 100% wrong. In any case, what happens next? He goes ahead, and everybody had their camp. Each Shevet had where their Shevet was. This Shevet here, this Shevet there, drive, drive, drive. But this person, who was he? His father was an Egyptian. His father was an Egyptian. What happened? She, his mother, one day, um, was opened the door. And who was it? Who was it? It was an Egyptian guy. And she, like her namesake says, Shalomi, she was always saying Shalom. Hi, peace. How you doing? How's everything? She would, she would speak to people. Shalom. Shalomi. That's what they call it. Shalomi, right? From the root word. Shalom. How you doing? How's everything? So when she opened Bativri, what's Bativri? Divri, Dibud. She was always talkative as well. She was talking. When she opened the door, she said, Hi, Shalom. How you doing, Mr. Egyptian? What does he say? Where's your husband? He has to come work today. Oh, my husband? One second. Uh, Mr. Egyptian, and he was saying, Shalom, with that. She brings him out, and the guy went off to work. Not unknowingly, this Egyptian guy came back to the same house because she was so friendly. When she opened up the door, he thought, wow, she's a great lady. Let me go. And that, that time she came back, and Lord and Lachem, they they had a relation unknowingly. She was unknowingly, and uh, he left the house. As he leaves the house, the husband saw that the Egyptian guy came out of his own house. He said, "What is going on?" He realized the whole situation. But now the Egyptian to protect himself. What did the Egyptian do to protect himself? He said, "Oh, there's only one way." I can't hide the evidence. There's only one way to do it. Kill the evidence. Who is the evidence? It's this guy who saw. Okay. The next day, the Egyptian guy is working. This, no, sorry, this, the, the Jewish guy is working. And the Egyptian guy, who had relations with his wife, says, oh, this guy, work. You're not working hard enough. Boom, he whips him. You're not working hard enough. Boom, he's, he, he's whipping him, whipping him. So he's giving him such hard hit to really to physically kill the guy. And Moshe is walking by, and Moshe sees, oh my goodness, what's going on? You're whacking the guy, the guy's going to die. The guy was so bruised. Moshe said, Shem HaMeforash, Shem Hashem, and guess what? The guy, the Egyptian guy, automatically, the Egyptian guy automatically died. He died. Now, fast forward. Uh, son that came from uh, from this marriage he now he doesn't have a tribe why doesn't he have a tribe because the tribe goes to where the father or the mother the father you go by the father but to know if you're Jewish Jewish or not Jewish you go by the mother but once the guy's Jewish which tribe does he belong to <laughs> belongs to the go by the father for example uh, if, you, if your mother is a Kohen and your father is not a Kohen, are you a Kohen? No. If your father is a Kohen and your mother is Israeli, are you a Kohen? Yeah, it goes by the father. 
by the father, go to the father. So finally, what happens, everybody has his own tribe. Now, he didn't have uh, uh, where to go. So he was in the outskirts. But his mother was from Shevet Dan. He went ahead, he puts his bed, he makes a tent in the, in the Shevet Dan, in the tribe of Dan. One guy said, hey, yeah, bro, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? He says, what do you mean? My mother's, uh, my mother's from Shevet Dan. Oh, I don't care where your mother's from. Where's your father? Who, my father? My father was, uh, I don't know who my father was. I don't even know who my father was. But I know my mother was from Shevet Dan. They do verification on the guy. They find who's his father. They realize his father is who? The Egyptian guy. The Egyptian guy. They take it to bed. Listen, you have no you're tribe. You're, you don't have a tribe. What are, you, what are you doing? You have no tribe. What are you doing? You can't even be here. She says, oh my goodness. My father, that name, my father was the Egyptian? What? So where's my father? She's dead. He's dead. How did my father die? So you tell him, listen, one time there was a story that he was hitting on a, on a he, was, he, was, he was hitting a Jew, and Moshe paid by, and Moshe used Hashem's name, and with Hashem's name, you know, you can use Shem on the Forash. Sometimes you use Shem on the Forash. I told you this once, right? You're a person, you, you can't do it, right? Right? It's Shem on the Forash. It's very, very scary things. I don't know if a person can, heavy, heavy duty things can happen to a person. So you use Shem on the Forash, you use God's name, and you use it to kill, uh, kill the Egyptian and he died. What did this guy do? He went ahead and he cursed with his mouth, Hashem. What's the halacha if a person cursed Hashem? Hayab mitah. Hayab sekilah. Sekilah is what? It's stoning. It's one of the harshest punishment of killing. Where we take the guy, we throw him off the thing, he didn't die, we just chuck stones on the guy. Stoning. And that, that's what happened to this guy. The guy ended up dying. This is the end of this parasha. Everybody got it clear? Now, we have to analyze something. How did this story all take place. You know how it took place? With excessive chatter. With too much talk. Sometimes a person has to shut his mouth to get out of trouble. It's true. Sometimes a person has to shut his mouth to get out of trouble. Now, this is a very important lesson in life. Why? Because she was, we were saying, by the way, by the way, you know why the Torah speaks about her name, right? Right? You know why? Because it's showing that was the only incident that happened in the whole Egypt. Every other lady in Egypt, with all the Egyptians on top of us, no lady did any, any immoral act in entire Egypt. That's what Rashi explained. Nobody. So it was really a praise for Claudia Israel. And like I told you, they bring down, it was, she was, she didn't even know who it was. You know, she didn't even know who it was. She thought it was her husband, actually. But in any case, how did it start? How did the Egyptian get involved because she was being excessive chatter. How you doing? Shalom Aleichem. How's everything? Did that. You see when a person talks too much, he can big in trouble. Now let me, let me just tell you two, two points on this. There was a fellow, a friend of mine actually, and, uh, and he wasn't getting married. He was getting older and he wasn't getting married. Getting older, not getting married. And every time we would meet up, he would go out, let's say, wherever it was, hanging out a little bit. He would call me and say, oh, uh, can you come out, come chill, just hang out, please. I want to I wanna take you out. Okay, no, I felt, you know, I felt fucking needs a little zoop. I went. Every time I heard, ah, why oh, I shamed, I shamed, I shamed, complaining against, heaven forbid, 
against, we're not allowed to do this, against Hashem Kiviyahu. Oh, look at this, I'm getting, and I'm not going to find my zibur. Why is Hashem, what, blaming God, to do this. And he said certain things that I heard personally, which was disgusting, which probably if we had the bed means, they'll take care of, they'll take care of him, right? No joke, it was like a real, real thing, real situation where he was even like, heaven forbid, cursing like, ah! I was like, whoa! I was like, bro, you gotta chill! Guess what? Today, he's getting married, not today, today he's getting married, he's married, he, he married a gem of a girl. A gem. The girl, good character traits, great family, she has the perfect, a perfect match. And then he comes over to me, and he tells me, you should just know, I regret, I regret all those times where I spoke negative about heaven forbid Hashem. I said, listen, you buddy, you have to do big chuvah. You have to big chuvah. Hashem is not a toy. Hashem is not a, a game. It's not like, oh, I press the button, Hashem now. Oh, I press the button, Hashem later. It's not like that. It's not like that. People think, oh, Hashem's my buddy. It's my buddy, you know. Okay, Hashem, sorry, Hashem, yeah, Hashem. He's not your buddy, he's a shem. And, and, and if you go out of your way, he says, if do it Hashem b'yid'ah, ve'gilu b'la'adah. You know what it means, ve'gilu b'la'adah? In the highest happiness, be trembling. What do you mean? Why should I be trembling in the highest happiness? Why? Why? Because the other day, you can't lose focus in life. There was a rabbi. There was a rabbi, it was a wedding. Huge wedding, huge wedding. All of a sudden, Everybody was going, laughing too much. They were laughing too much. Ah, partying, partying too much. She took a glass. A glass that was worth 400 Jews. The Gemara says it was worth 400 Jews. That's like probably a few hundred thousand dollars. And he took that and he cracked it in front of everybody. Everybody stopped. Oh, what's going on? He says, you guys, you're getting carried away. Don't lose focus. You hit the Messiah, Matan, because Hashem's sake, not because you want to party like your brain's out. It's the Gemara that says this, by the way, that I'm telling you. And from there, there's a source of fall on the top of the page that says, this is the Minhad that we have to break a glass underneath the canopy. Underneath the Chupah, we break a glass. Why? From the story. <clears throat> from the story, how? Of course, from the Bethlehem, where a person has to remember even the highest seeks that we're on. Remember the Bethlehem, so we crack it to remember Jerusalem. The Hashem doesn't have his house. The Simcha is not complete because God, you don't have your house. But it also to remind ourselves that life is not a joke. Life is serious. And you can't go ahead and party your whole life around and think, oh. And that's why he stopped them. He broke the glass and he said, stop. Focus. Focus in your life. What's I? This person that my friend I'm telling you about, he regrets it. Because why? Because he let himself too loose. He let himself, ah, life is a game, it might be a joke. Hashem is a button. I'm in the mood for Hashem today. No, now I'm in the mood. Now I'm not in the mood. Hashem, Hashem, oh, press the button. Oh. It's not like a button you press. Of course, he did Shuva. But going back, he tells me, I wish I never even all that out. You have to be careful the way how do you speak of the Hashem. But there's another thing I want to bring out. And that is where a person, like we saw in the end of the parasha, we saw the story. Excessive chatter, talking too much, could get you in trouble. Let me tell you a story that happened to me today personally. So, I talked to my car. There's, you know, alternate side? 
You know, so that alternate side. You know, you know what I'm talking about. So, so alternate side in Brooklyn. Basically, the law is you can double park. Correct. Let's say, for example, you could. Let's say, let's say, for example, let's say, for example, at least five blocks. Right? Uh, at least five blocks. Let's say, let's say it says alternate sides. You can't park on this side from eight thirty a.m. From eight thirty a.m. ten a.m. You can't park on this side. Fine, that side I can't park. But you could double park on the other side. And what is it? What's the whole purpose? The street cleaning. So the street cleaning, I, I double park, and you can go the other way. Right? So, I, 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 the law by my body is like that. <laughs> anyway, guess what? So today, today, I did it. Today, I was in a big rush. I said, oh my goodness, I'm very, very big rush. I got a I got a there like that. What do I have to do? I double parked my car, which was 100% legal. <laughs> and <laughs> I, 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 I double parked the car. I was in, in, in alternate. And what happened? I go out. I do, I do some things. I was learning. I come out. I come out. And there was a bus. After like the 10 o'clock, so I had to move it. A bus came. And there was, like, three security guards from another school that came on the block. Like, what's going on? What happened? The guy, there was another guy who saw me go apart anyway, and he also parked his car by the other side. You understand the situation now? I'm, I'm no apart, and this guy says, I have a parking now. Look, uh, uh, I parked there. Meanwhile, he doesn't understand that he's not allowed to park there because it's all the time. So he parked there anyway. Now what happens over here now? It's a very narrow, narrow uh, block. Now the bus is coming. You can't go. So now the bus is waiting for an hour, an hour and change. I don't know for how long. Maybe half hour. I don't know what, what he's doing. But he's honking. Uh, I'm not even around. Now I come, I come out. I come out. And what do they see? First thing. Oh, a guy with a yarmulke. A man. Oh, what's going on? And all of a sudden, the fellow says, the, 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 one of the fellows says, inconsiderate. He screams out, inconsiderate. And I'm, and I'm there. And now I'm feeling, by the way, because inside me, I'm like saying, I'm like thinking to myself, before I even parked there, I looked at the sign 15 times. This is the right alternate. Yeah, today's Wednesday. Yes. Today's 8.30. I looked at my watch 8.30. I made sure I looked at my cell phone to make sure that it's the right time. It's the right time. I said, I did it on purpose. I knew I I know these stories happen all the time, you know what I'm saying? I know I didn't want to be that guy that nobody knows it. And meanwhile, I know whose fault it is. It's the other guy who's parking illegal on the alternate side. But he said on his words, inconsiderate. Those words drove me up the wall. It drove me up the wall. I'm looking inconsiderate. I was like, excuse me. I tell him, excuse me. Excuse me. Look at this sign. It's 8.30 to 10 alternate. If anything, it's this guy who parked that, that, that illegally that's inconsiderate. What does he do? He says again, inconsiderate. I was like, you know, I was like, what are you, inconsiderate? I'm allowed, now, it's not, my voice is going a little bit louder now. And I'm like, listen, inconsiderate, I'm allowed to park here. It's 100% allowed. This guy's not allowed. And he's saying, I don't care. You should have parked there. And he starts screaming, you should not park there. I was like, excuse me. 
I still have another half hour. I'm starting dirty. I'll say it. Let the other guy move. That's what I told him. I said, I have another half hour. You know what? Let your whole body stand up. Now I started getting out of here. Now it's already like, oh my goodness. How can you say that? What do you mean? Just move your car. But how did this all happen? How did this whole little thing happen? <laughs> you know how it happened? First of all, it happened by speech. I could have, technically speaking, I could have, Shut my mouth. He called me inconsiderate, which, which you, you get hurt. The way he said it, you know, inconsiderate. He could say inconsiderate, you know. Like the way he said it was like, come on. I could have took, I could have took my car and I could have drove away. Really, to be honest, I'm blaming myself a little bit, but I could have took my car and I could have drove away. But I heard this word inconsiderate. I wanted just to tell him I'm not inconsiderate because the other guy thinks it's by me speaking and now going back and forth, going back and forth, going back and forth. What happened? Oh, argument came out. Oh, my Lord, the whole thing came back and forth, back and forth. So what happened? It's the mouth. The mouth, the Yad Alashon, what does it say? Hachayim v'hamavet, the Yad Alashon. Death and, and, and life is in the hands, the hands of the tongue. How many times you have husband and wife fighting, fighting, because what? What happened? The wife said something. The wife said something. Oh, honey, um, uh, you're late again. Didn't she say coming home at uh, 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 10 o'clock? You're late again. So now, the husband can take it and keep his mouth shut and be better next time. The next day, be on time. Or the husband, well, he does that. option A is keep quiet and the next time, be on time. Option B is, is like this. I'm late, honey. Every time I come in, uh, this, this, I, I don't see dinner 100% ready. You know, every time I come in, I hear the, the, the baby not, not pulling asleep. Every time I come in, he can, he can go and bash her. Option A or option B? Option B, you know what option B leads to? A fight. A fight. You know why? Because he didn't shut his mouth. Because he didn't shut his mouth, what happens? Oh, fight came along. But if he would have shut his mouth, how many times it happens with neighbors? Personal stories that I know in neighbors. I know a personal story actually happened to me a few doors down. A few doors down on my block. Never forget it. A few doors down on my block. How, how, uh, uh, um, somebody screamed, one of the neighbors on the block screamed at another, another, another person's child. So the father came out and the father told the, the, the other neighbor, listen, if you have something to say to my child, don't tell my child. Tell me, I'll tell my child. Now, now what happened? The neighbor says, what are you talking about? You were doing something dangerous. Are you kidding me? I had to tell. And then they were fighting, bowling, bowling. It was like a whole thing. The cops ended up coming on the block. Like, what happened? What? It was legit. Cops came on the block. What happened? The guy, the guy is, is, a, is a huge guy. The guy is a humongous guy. He can, he can crack the other guy in two, in pieces. You know what I'm saying? So he started screaming at the guy. He started threatening the guy. He said, if you ever, 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 ever talk to my son like that again, I will kill you. Oh, you're threatening me. I'm threatening The whole fight went on. Why? Because the excessive talk. You know, you know how you control it? Should I tell you how you control it? You learn from David Hamel. What do you learn from the Vietnamese? The Vietnamese heard curses. There was Shri Ben Gerai cursed him out. The wildest curses. David could have flipped out. David could have did everything. David didn't say he didn't say a word to him. Hashem was going to take care of this guy. But David, you know what the Pazuk says? 
אילם וכחרש לא אשמע וכילם לא אפתח פי הוא יזמין דוד מי נמצא? כחרש לא אשמע like a deaf person he, was, he made himself like a deaf person can a deaf person hear? can a deaf person hear? No. he can't hear guess what? guess what? if you somebody's bashing you and if you make it as if you don't hear it you will never ever talk back again fights happen shalom fights happen where the husband or the wife answers back But if the husband or the wife automatically hears it, or any other fight for that matter, doesn't hear the insulting words, you're right. You got insulted. You're right. You're right. It's the other person's fault. Okay. Hear it. Make believe you didn't hear it. Make believe you didn't hear it. You don't have to answer back. You understand what David Amelik is teaching? You heard it? Huh? Oh, he is. Make believe you didn't hear it. If I would have left that bus driver and... He said inconsiderate, and I would have heard it. And I would have heard it in my ears, made believe I didn't hear it. Okay, so he didn't tell me anything. I just walked by, no fight. But the fact that it, le- it entered my ears to hear, then already that's the problem with where it starts. I, I heard the insult. Make believe you didn't hear it. How are you going to make believe you didn't hear the insult? How are you going to do that? I heard it. What do you mean, Rabbi? I heard it. How are you going to say it? I didn't hear it. You're right, you heard it, but at the end of the day, you have to understand one thing. Everything that happens to you is from Hashem. Everything that happens to you is from Hashem. So it wasn't Hashem that said that. It was Hashem through him that said that. And Hashem's testing you now. Listen, you got insulted. He played with your ego. He played with your honor. He played with this. What are you going to do now? Are you going to keep quiet like you didn't hear it? Huh? Are you going to take it as if it's Kaparat Abonov? You know, sometimes a person, his wife, could shamble the living daylights out of him. People come to me, Rabbi, my wife shambles me. You don't know, Rabbi. I tell her, listen, do you take it or you don't take it? She says, I can't take it. Every time she shambles me, I lash back. Fool. Why am I a fool? Because if you take it, make believe you didn't hear it. Make believe it's going one ear out the ear. Maybe you didn't hear it. She shambled you. She had a bad day. She had a, she had a hard day. So she took it out on you. She's like, maybe you did She had to get her stressed out. So she punched you. She shouldn't have done it. You take it. The next day, everything will be okay. And guess what? You will definitely, definitely, definitely have kaparat abonot. There's no question about it. You will definitely have kaparat abonot. When somebody insults you, and you don't answer back, you have that kaparat abonot. So therefore, what the, what the Torah is teaching you, what teaching you, well, what should you do? Kekhanesh, I didn't hear any insults. I guys walking by, I'll never forget. I went one time. We went to bury one of, uh, one of my relatives, a cousin of mine. And all the way back from the funeral home, Uh, uh, one, one, one non-Jew, kids, three kids, they come, and they, and they, like, do, like, a, and as I was walking by, like, 32, instead of saying, I chew, I said, 32, and I heard that. Now, now, I want to tell you something. I could have said something, especially now, like, you know, I was furious, uh, my, my, the brother just passed away, and, what are you saying? But you know what I did? I heard it. I may believe I didn't hear it, I just walked by. Guess what? It saved me a lot of problems because these, these guys were the, the, the mafiosos that their family's from, you know? They could, they could, they could really, uh, really take, take, take charge over it. No joke, I'm not kidding you. They believe in it. Boom. Go today. They believe nothing happened. You understand what I'm trying to say or no? That's what it says. Sometimes in life, you always got to be the one 
uh, uh, that's being barked at and not barking at. You understand? What's better, to bark at people or to be the one being barked at? Mean to say, yeah, it's Hashem, you, you can ask from Hashem anything you want in those situations. It's burning inside. A person insulted me. A person hurt me. Oh, keep mouth shut. Pray to the Lord for whatever you want. Pray for the Lord for whatever you want. Everybody knows the stories, famous stories, how the lady wasn't, wasn't able to have a child, and all of a sudden they were at a wedding, and one lady started screaming at the other lady, and the other lady was about to, to scream back, and the lady who wasn't having children said, Don't scream back, please. I need a child. Please, beg Hashem right now that I should have a child. And, and she did it. Everybody knows the famous story that she had a child nine months later. Everybody knows the famous story. How did it happen? Because at that moment, you have to understand, Hashem knows what's going on. But you have to make it as if I didn't hear it. If you make it like you didn't hear it, no fight. Imagine you come, shallow bite, you come home, your wife is going crazy on you. You make believe you didn't hear it. The next day, everything will be okay. But if you're going to go lash back, by the way, this is a very big tip, by the way, I'm telling you. If you're going to go lash back, you know what's going to happen? It's going to just backfire. Because you think she's going to stop? She's in the mode, you know what I'm saying? When a person's in the mode, forget about it. You understand what I'm saying? Even a person's in a fight with words. What happens? Uh, you scream at him, he screams at you. You think that's going to stop? It's going to go back and forth. It's automatically. You know why? Because you open up the door for, for problems. And that's the great lesson. The great lesson that we learned from Shlomiba Givri is be careful not to talk too much. You know, Victor Miller always says, a guy is getting hatan. A guy is getting married. He comes to the to the Shabbat table to his in-laws. He's not engaged yet. He's going out with a girl. What did he say? Don't talk too much. Why? Because when you talk too much, we realize who you really are. You know, you don't talk too much, we don't know. You know the famous story with Shlomo Melech, right? Shlomo Melech, they, they, they came to him and they, they, they told him once, oh, you're the wisest of all people, right? Yeah. Try to fool us. Try to fool you? Yeah, we'll try to fool Yeah, try to fool us. Don't get no problem. He says he brought, he brought a big, big uh, 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 rabbi. Uh, a rabbi wasn't a rabbi. He was the biggest fool in the world. He was the biggest fool. He put a beard on him. He made a long beard. He put him up. And he told this guy, do not say a word. Just keep quiet. All of a sudden, they kept on asking him questions, and he kept on going like this, you know? So he's like, wow, look, he's such a genius that while he doesn't want to deal, the question was so, was so, was such a, was such a lousy question that he, that he, that he brushed it off. He's like, ah, I need a better question. They kept on, wow, he's a genius, he's a genius. Before, you know, finally, someone said, I got you guys. Now talk. And the guy was speaking gibberish. Ah, I, I, how can it be? You know why? Because when a person talks too much, now, now you know who the person is. But if I just look at your face and I judge you, just by your face, just, just by seeing you, I don't know who you are, I don't know where you are, but the second you talk, I can know everything about you. Don't talk too much. Don't excessive talk. You know why? Because when you, you talk too much, first of all, it can get you in trouble. You get you in trouble, you say a word here, you say a word there, you say this, you say that. Especially, especially, especially when somebody's insulting. Especially, especially, especially when somebody's insulting you. Because when somebody's insulting you and you make believe you're going to hear it, It'll go away. But the second you better believe that you heard it, oh, yeah, you're going to get into problems now. Because now you can answer back and you can get into a And then after that, you have to make peace. Let me be shallow. Let me this. This is the great lesson that we learned.